The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to another episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger. Here again with my co-host Jason, and we are back into the London Baptist Confession. We went through it uh, a few episodes ago. We went through the article on the Holy Scriptures, and we're back again. Going to go through the next one on God and the Holy Trinity. And we were just chit-chatting a little bit before of what kind of question we could ask. What, what do you guys want to know about us? But we couldn't think of anything good, so... <laughs> 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 Jason's great idea of referring you to another podcast. He's trying to increase our listenership. So, well, we know they've done it better. So, <laughs> at some point, we'll send them to the right podcast. Well, that's why we're back in the confession because they they spent a lot of good a good amount of time uh, coming up with the way they wrote the confession. The scriptures they referenced in the um, in the confession uh, as they went through all these different topics that we're talking about, and they're important topics. They're they're good in a sense of going back to the basics, going back to the foundation of what we believe in in a structured way, instead of just trying to pull things out of the Bible and say, "Well, this is what it teaches." It it brings together so much uh, for us in a very packed out, full statement uh, yeah. at times, which we're going to see even. Uh, on on this episode as we go through this article. You know, it's neat to think when you look at the confession, you, you ask yourself, okay, where would I have begun? Right? If, if someone asked me to write about God, mm-hmm. like, where would you even start? And so when you look at the confessions and you see how, you know, this particular confession begins to lay things out, you go, yeah, you know, that makes, that makes a lot of sense biblically to approach it this way. But mm-hmm. You know, this is the wisdom of a lot of uh, men of God that have come before us as they've thought through the topic, what is God or who is God, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting to see where they start, where they go, and and what their approach is. Yeah, it made me think, uh, I was listening to another podcast earlier this week, not on faith. It was a podcast about money Hmm. um, and talking about Bitcoin and the philosophy of money. And they were interviewing this guest, and it was just interesting because he was referencing biblical themes. And I was wondering, where, where is he coming up with this? It's not he Dave Ramsey, right? No, absolutely not. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as, it, as they're going along, after about an hour into the show, he actually talks about how he grew up. Uh, a person who went to church mm-hmm. and he wrote a book about you know money today and how it relates to God and all of this wow. and he was referencing another speaker who influenced him and what was so fascinating was he was talking about his evolution I guess of his understanding of God where he thought these new thoughts about who God was and he was talking about how this other um, speaker talks about God and it, it was all centered around man. How does man define God? Who is God to us? Who is God to him now in his life and how he has has come about? And it's just fascinating to think because it reminds us that we all have an understanding of God. And where is that understanding coming from? Is it coming from how we think about him in ourself, 
just self-reflection or is it an external uh, source that is telling us who God is? Yeah, so, that's a very important theme, right? Do, does, does God get to tell us who he is mm-hmm. or, or do, have we somehow discovered who God is? And, and we believe, no, God has revealed himself to us both through his creation but also through the scriptures, which is what we talked about in the, you know, mm-hmm. the last time we were talking about the confession. So. so we laid the foundation for the scriptures yeah. um, about their inerrancy, their infallibility, their sufficiency, their authority. Mm-hmm. Next from that, we, we come to God and the Holy Trinity. And we get into this next article, Article 2, um, and looking at paragraph. Am I saying it right? Paragraph, yeah. not chapter. Paragraph a one where we're going to see how the confession brings together uh, really the character and attributes of God. So you can start off even uh, reading through that. So go ahead and... So here's uh, London Baptist Confession, Article 2, God and the Holy Trinity, Paragraph 1. The Lord our God is one, the only living and true God. He is self-existent and infinite in being and perfection. His essence is cannot be understood by anyone but him. He is a perfectly pure spirit. He is invisible and has no body, parts, or changeable emotions. He alone has immortality, dwelling in light that no one can approach. He is unchangeable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, in every way infinite, absolutely holy, perfectly wise, wholly free, completely absolute. It keeps going. (laughs) He works all things according to the counsel of his own unchangeable and completely righteous will for his own glory. He is most loving, gracious, merciful, and patient. He overflows with goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. He rewards those who seek him diligently. At the same time, he is perfectly just and terrifying in his judgments. He hates all sin and will certainly not clear the guilty. Let's pray. Yes, I don't have anything to add. Thank you for joining on yeah. this episode. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a fantastic statement yeah. um, that is just immersed in Scripture. And a lot of it is just scripture kind of summarized and laid out mm-hmm. there for us to look at and and maybe not understand, but kind of be overwhelmed by. Yeah. Uh, you, you read a statement like that, and honestly, what you, you kind of want to worship that God. And you think of how it brings together all the different attributes of God. Because if you think of you, if it, how God could be misunderstood... You look at one verse or a handful of verses of God's judgment, and then you come to a conclusion God is just judge. He's wrathful. And I'm thinking not, not necessarily those of us in the church, but outsiders who could look and characterize God as one particular attribute, right. forgetting the rest of the attributes. And it just brings together so much of his character in one statement where you hold the tension of all of these, yeah. and you look and you just, yeah, you, you wonder at, how God is so different from us. Yeah. And, and it's, it's exactly what uh, 
our problem is as human beings, mm -hmm. finite human beings. You know, we'll get to the next uh, paragraph and we'll get into more of the, dis the difference between yeah. God and us. But when you think about it, one of the biggest problems theologically that we all have, like you said, whether believer or unbeliever, is that we cling to one attribute or, mm -hmm. or a handful of attributes of God and, and kind of force everything else to... Uh, be forgotten almost mm -hmm. you know what, what do people know about God that are not believers for the most part most people say well God is love right mm -hmm. isn't that what your Bible says and they don't even want to look into what that means mm -hmm. that God is love they just use their human definition of love yeah and define God that way or like you said sometimes the other way we do wrath and, and mm -hmm. define it our version of kind of this hateful you know, uh, uncontrolled mm -hmm. wrath, and now that becomes their view of God. And so I, I love how you said it. There's this tension that the the confession holds, which is God is all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if we break it down, we'll see how they, they put that together. But that's a really important thing for our listeners to know. God is not limited to one or other attribute. So as we go through it, just even at the beginning here, as we look at this statement, it begins with the Lord God is one, the only living and true God. What do you see as the importance there of highlighting of God's oneness here in this first statement? I think the, the oneness and the uniqueness of God mm -hmm. are being highlighted here. <clears throat> there, there is only one who fits the category of divinity, deity. Yeah. There is one God, and he is entirely unique, mm -hmm. completely different than anything else or any other being that we could ever imagine or that we ever have any kind of interaction with. Yeah. Um, and, and this is what the Lord kind of says about himself throughout the scriptures. There is none like him. No, not, you know, there, there's, there, no, that was a different verse I was quoting, <laughs> but there is none like him. Uh, you know, who is like the Lord? There is no one, right? Um, so yeah, I think this, the uniqueness of God is, is very important here. Yeah, and he's a living and true, the only living and true one. And they're, you know, in a sense, they're looking at people do believe in false gods. Wait. God is not limited to just an understanding come from scripture. The heart of man creates gods as we know yeah. and so highlighting he's he's both true but he's still living yeah he's the only one that has existence mm -hmm. uh, you, you may contemplate come up with your own version of a god but that god doesn't exist yeah. only the god of the bible exists and uh, that's important too because sometimes i think we get confused oh there's people that believe in one god that are monotheists yeah. we all believe in the same god right and no and we'll get to that when we get to Trinity, but yeah, um, yeah, important thought there. This this next statement is the one that my kids have asked me, and I hmm. I answer with just that answer. Where I keep just saying the same answer because <laughs> it's hard to describe. Where yeah. it says that He is self-existent mm -hmm. and infinite in being and perfection, and that self-existence. Where did yeah. God come from? God yeah. always existed. How can that be? God can't. Who created Him? Right. No, he, he didn't create. That's what makes him God. And you see yep. them thinking, and it's just spinning in their brain. Like, how, how is this possible? Because as creatures of the creator, 
everything we think about has been created. Right. We don't have the mind to grasp something that is not created, that's self-existent, that always was, right. that satisfies our minds and our, and our hearts. Yeah, uh, my kids ask the same question, and it's that same conversation, and trying to help them see that all of, cre- all of creation comes out of God. Mm-hmm. He is the source without a source. Yeah. Um, and what does that even mean uh, to our minds, let alone our, child, our children's? Yeah, because wh- who was in the beginning? Well, he's outside of time. Whoa. I mean, you get into those concepts, our limited human knowledge cannot understand, which again gives us the distinction between the infinite God and our temporal created lives here. Yeah. I mean, if you think about that, just that thought we just described now, if God was finite, so Mm -hmm. he was limited, there were boundaries, and we could comprehend it, because we're going to do incomprehensibility, would he be worthy of our worship? Yeah. I mean, I think the answer is a resounding no. Yeah. Why would I worship someone that I can so, you know, understand that there's nothing mysterious or surprising in any way about him? So. Well, let's look at the, the next part. He's perfectly pure in spirit. Um, but this next statement of, and I think you put it, the simplicity mm. of God. You know, he's invisible, no body parts or changeable emotions honestly this is such a, a mm. an amazing <clears throat> doctrine you know the doctrine of simplicity that yeah. emphasizes that you know the, the parts or you know these the, the difference in attributes that we're seeing and we, we call it love and, and justice and where mm-hmm. the reality is that's that's actually us distinguishing and seeing in God, there there aren't these component parts. He is, he he, he simply is, and all of these things are are Him. You know, I don't even know how to describe. It. That's why I think I put in our notes. Hey, we need to bring in an expert to discuss this. <laughs> the simplicity of God, and it's such an important doctrine. And there are a lot of implications that you know uh, we can parse out. Uh, and I'd love to bring someone on who's, who's who kind of specializes in that. So, how do you respond to the questions of how? Uh, God shows emotions as you see, as we as we understand them. You see in the Old Testament the wrath of God coming down. You see Him relent of wrath, and He's burning in anger at times. And then the loving kindness and patience. Yeah. You see these uh, different uh, ways that He's describing, but there's something distinct and different than how we even process. Right, our emotions. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we have to understand is because God is wholly other, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's transcendent as well as imminent. But we've, I think we've talked about that before. But look, he's using language that we can understand, and I think we we talk about this. It's not um, univocal language. It's not language that's exactly the same. When he says he's Father, it, it doesn't mean exactly what a human father yeah. is. It's analogical language. Mm-hmm. It's it's. It's a comparison. There's a similarity. It's not equivocal in that it's completely not connected. It's, again, analogical. And, and that's really important to remember. He's still wholly other. And he's using what we call anthropomorphic language. Mm-hmm. So language that's in the form of humanity that we can understand. Yeah. Um, and so we can know him. He wants us to know him. So he reveals himself to us. But he can't be fully known. Mm-hmm. Um, 
either. But it was interesting. You, you were, were looking at this this idea. You were saying, what about his emotions? One of the things that you know, it's not exactly in here, but I think it's I think maybe the old language would have been the impassibility of God. Uh-huh. One of the things that we have to understand is what that's trying to get at. It's he's not changeable in his emotions in this sense. He's not like us. He doesn't just fly off the handle and go into a rage. He's not conditioned by us and our actions or our reactions. Mm-hmm. He is. He and, and anything that he reveals that seems to be a change is part of what he has willed from before there was time. Um, it's not that he's being changed by us in any way. Mm-hmm. It's he is and he's relating to us, certainly. Um, but it's an eternal relation. Ooh, I don't even know how to uh, yeah. parse that one, but yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely something that's hard to grasp as we think about even how God's presenting himself or acting or reacting mm-hmm. according to man. But we know man's not in control. That's right. It, it's not God's looking at man and says, oh, okay, now I'll do this because you told you did this. You know, Moses prayed and God changed his mind. Right. Sarah changed his mind at that moment because when we look at his, his sovereignty over all creation and willing and decreeing, there's just so much more layers to just that simple thought that we're seeing as we're reading through scripture. That's right. Yeah, he's he's speaking to us that we might relate to him. Mm-hmm. And yet the mysteries of God belong to him. There are mysteries that uh, are not meant for us. And I think that sometimes we, uh, we, we're trying to poke around in an area that's not ours to have. Yeah. Um, but there are some clear things in scripture. And I think one of them is he's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't change. He's not, you know, there's certain things that he reveals about himself clearly. Well, this next uh, sentence just has so much in it. So we'll uh, point out a couple things. But he, he's unchangeable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, in every way, infinite, absolutely holy, perfectly wise, holy, free, completely absolute. <laughs> wow. That's a lot in there. And you, you had highlighted uh, here of, of being him wholly free. Yeah. I highlighted that because if you think about the way we want to relate to God, mm-hmm. we want to be wholly free. Mm-hmm. You hear this conversation all the time. Well, don't we have free will? And and I want to turn around and ask people who ask that, like, what about God? Does he have free will? <laughs> because we make it sound like, oh, we we need and we have. and this is, um, But the only one who's truly free yeah. is God. And he is Holy free, and if if not, uh, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, if he really were conditioned by us, mm-hmm. um, there'd be a lot of trouble. So, so I, I like that they use that language of him being wholly free, um, and then of course completely absolute. They end on in that sentence, but yeah, I brought up two thoughts in my mind as as I'm thinking about that because you think of how God created us. Mm-hmm. And then you think of our fallen depravity. And part of that is wanting to be self-sovereign, wanting to be free. And we see that even in the young baby as we had kids. The the resistance to any type of authority. You swaddle them in a blanket and they rip that (laughs) off or pull their hands on their Don't let me in. They want something. They're crying. You know, there's there's the, the... the stage where you really recognize 
wow, they, they're, they're really sinners. It's, you're feeding them and they can't really talk and you're giving them food and they just hold their lip and throw the food right on the ground, <laughs> right back at you. And it's a oh, disaster. Did that. Well, about. you got perfect kids here. Yeah. Pastor's kids are always perfect. Right? Always. It's amazing. Not a doubt. <laughs> no, it's it's true. It's this. Yeah, you're right. We want our freedom. Yeah, we want our. Don't tell me what to do. We we want we want our way. Yeah. And then as you know, as as we're thinking about God and thinking of Him being free to do whatever He pleases, there's that releasing of control. I'm not really in control, and, and yeah. we know that, yeah. but we act like. Sometimes we are in control. I'll never forget one of my Old Testament professors used to start every class by praying, and his every prayer either began with or ended with, I think it was began with, um, we thank you, God, that you are God mm. and I am not. Yeah. And it's such a reminder to us of something that somehow we tend to forget or don't like very much, mm-hmm. that God is God. And, and actually, you go, they go on... Um, and, and add to this statement, right? He works all things according to the counsel of his own unchangeable and completely righteous will for his own glory. Yeah. I think for some of us, that might be offensive to our sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't God be doing things for us? Mm-hmm. Right? Rather than understanding that... Uh, it, it all revolves around rightly and ought, must, should, <laughs> revolves around God himself. Yeah. Um, and and, and when, when we try to change that, I mean, imagine, it's like a, just the, the earth deciding it's going to be the center and trying to replace the sun. Yeah. What would happen to the solar system, right? Yeah. Uh, so. But in, in a sense, though, in that statement, there's there's a wanting to know what is his will Hmm. you know what what is he doing because our understanding or at least if if i'll be honest we want a you know a comfortable easy life trial here or there relatively stable get through this life and then we graduate and go to heaven right but Hmm. oftentimes his will is full of suffering it's full of trials and tribulations which the scripture tells us all a part of his will and we buy into what's around us of thinking that only when we're trouble free are we blessed by god only when we're trouble free are we having a great life can we say god is good god is great look at all he's done because we're so uh, you know, around a type of thinking that doesn't see anything but, you know, what is, you know, healthy prosperity. And, and about us. And about us. Yeah. And about us being at the center where yeah. God is at the center doing something for his own glory. We're just people in that plan. Yeah. We just play a part. We're not, the, we're, we're the actor. We're not the the the... Uh, my mind. We're the not the, or, yeah. and, and we're not the center. But look, yeah. you know, here's here's the glorious thing and and about our God. It, it, because he, it's for His glory, He He freely has willed to bring us into His plan mm-hmm. and show us kindness and mercy. And, and look at the next line. He hits yep. it. Right? <laughs> he is most loving gracious, merciful, and patient 
and he overflows with goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. I, I, that's a we should be blown away mm-hmm. that he's included us in any way in his his plans. Yeah. Yeah, you you know, loving, gracious, merciful, patient. And he's not just forgiving iniquity, overflowing with goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, just three synonyms. Yeah. If I remember right, sin being the defilement, or not sin, iniquity being defilement, mm. transgression relating to our rebellion, and then just a general term for sin. Just different aspects in the Old Testament as we see um, how sin is expressed in different ways. And he's not looking at his creation. You know, he's looking at his creation with with wanting to redeem. Yeah. Not wanting to continue uh, that judgment on man. I mean, if you see the way he introduces himself (laughs) to Moses, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, which which a lot of this I think is taken directly from some of these uh, passages, for instance in Exodus three, and yep. um, this is who he is. He is merciful and loving and, and kind and patient, long suffering towards sinners, and this is who he is. And part of his glory is showing that mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. Um, part of his glory is redeeming, and we'll, we'll get to some of that. At the same time, and look at they actually use that language. At the same time, he is perfectly just and terrifying in his judgments. Yeah. What what do you what do you make of the way they they lay that out there? He's he's perfectly just and terrifying in his judgments. I think it's the reality of his of his holiness, of his justice as God, as the creator of the universe, that he doesn't just wink over sin, but he's going to fully show his wrath over sin. And his judgments aren't something that we're like, uh, it, you know, it's just uh, tempered. No, it's a full wrath. It's trying to highlight there is this justice in God. There is this wrath in God at the same time not reserved for those who are his. Reserved for for uh, the world who is in unbelief, but yeah. not for his adopted children. So it's highlighting another aspect of him without forgetting, but not putting that on uh, toward or directed toward believers. Well, remember that was, and we were going to a different chapter or yeah. a different article for sure. But that all of that wrath. All of that, which is deserved by us, mm-hmm. even his own children, right? The, the adopted children. The reason that we don't get it is because all of that, that just and terrifying mm-hmm. judgment, was put on Christ. Mm-hmm. We we did deserve it. We just didn't get it. Yeah. And that's because he is merciful. Um, so his, his justice and mercy, you know, I, I was looking back at, at old notes and sermons and things, and um, I preached a sermon called Just and Justifier, you know, mm-hmm. from Romans 3. Yep. He is just and justifier of those who are in sin, mm-hmm. right? He made a way, uh, and it, it didn't make him unjust. It actually fits perfectly within his, uh, his character of both holiness and justice, but also love and, 
and mercy and grace. And we see all the attributes coming together on the cross. Amen. Right? His justice is coming down on the sacrifice, the Lamb of God. His love is being expressed even on the cross. It's where they meet. Mm -hmm. And we see that in that expression uh, and, and picture for us for all time to remember all of it. That's, that's a great thought, Roger. I mean, the, the cross does kind of summarize it all. When you think about it, it's, it was God's sovereign plan, mm -hmm. even though it was the son of perdition who uh, betrayed him, but it yeah. was the plan of the father to curse his own son in place of these. I mean, all of that glorious yeah. character of God uh, kind of comes together on mm -hmm. the cross. Yeah. Last line. So he hates all sin and will certainly not clear the guilty. Mm. Well, if you stand guilty, the reminder, if we're outside of Christ, we stand guilty and condemned forever. Yeah. But in Christ, there's no condemnation. But he's not going to, in, in, a reminder, he's not just going to overlook all sin. Not everybody is going to get a, you don't get a pass just because you were human and you weren't that bad. Yeah. No, there's there's only two ways. Either it's through Christ or, or facing the judgment of God on your own. And if you step back and you look at all these things, there's a question. I mean, is this God? First of all, obviously, is it is this the God of the Bible? And I think absolutely. And there's all these passages that they, yeah. in the confession reference, but we can think of others too. Um, is the God of the Bible worthy of worship? Mm -hmm. If you remove one of these attributes, if he's not just, suddenly, I mean, think about it. Would you... Would you be thrilled with that judge who sits on his, uh, you know, his chair there, whatever it's called now? I can't think. Uh, bench, there it is. The judge's bench. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, there's murderers and rapists, and and he's like, eh, you're free to go. Yeah. Right. W would you Would you say it's a good judge? No. Without all of this, which it's not. These aren't different attributes that just compose God. This yeah. is God. Yeah. Um, he's worthy of worship. Amen. That's a good statement to end on. He is worthy of worship. That's what this first paragraph brings us to. We're going to continue on in this article. As we're looking through God's character, we're going to look next at how he relates to us in the next episode. I encourage you, if you don't have a copy of the 1689 London Baptist Confession and you're listening along, um, get a copy. You can actually find it online. That um, you can you can read it along as we're going through these podcasts. Uh, just search, you'll find the 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession. And uh, as you're listening, if you have any questions, send them our way. We'd love to hear um, how you're interacting with this. It's you know it's really great material that we're finding is helping us um, with a, a greater foundation for how we're teaching through different doctrines. So I encourage you um, to grab a copy, interact with us, and we hope that you'll join us again next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff Podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodandstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, 
staff.org.